It's not real basketball. Let's have a four-point shot or a five-point shot and make it really fun for the fans. Let's make it a circus. You are locked on Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and another Twitter account I've got you got to get you guys to follow is the Locked On NBA uh, Twitter handle Locked On NBA Net. It's providing value from right across the entire Locked On Podcast Network, getting the tweets from all of our hosts so you get the inside information, yeah, injury news, uh, reports, players who are looking good in limited minutes, all that sort of stuff from across the entire network. So go and follow Locked On NBA Net. It's, it's a must, a must follow in my opinion. You get notifications of anything that's happening with all the teams, which can be really useful for fast updates for your fantasy for fantasy team. So Locked On NBA Net is that handle you want to go and look at. We had a busy nine games in the NBA on Monday, another busy eight games on Tuesday. So a lot for us to talk about today. Michael Bolton, he is absolutely frothing, ready to go. Let's get to it. To it. All right, Mick Bolton, we are ready. But before we do get ready, I do have to give a quick shout out to the guys at Mr. Koya, mrkoya.com, M-R-K-O-Y-A for providing me this shirt. For today, they've got a great range of, range of shirts, so go check out mrkoya.com, Australian and international shipping, so go and check out mrkoya.com, and I thank you, thank them again for this uh, for this shirt. Let's look at the, uh, actually, before we get stuck into the uh, monstrous line of the night, what I'm going to attempt to do every Tuesday show is go over the top 20 players for a two-week stretch of time, just give an idea of how guys are going. Now, of course, at this point in the season, we're just looking at the top 20 players for the season, so let's go through that, bring it up now. This is on a per-game basis, eight-category value. Number one is Anthony Davis. Number two is Steph Curry. I don't think too many people would be surprised to see Davis at one. LeBron James comes in at number three. LeBron James. I like how I paused after LeBron before I said James as if there was another LeBron there and I need to clarify it. Number four is Kevin Durant. Number five, Jimmy Harden. Number six, Nikola Jokic. That's all pretty much going to plan there. You know, James is probably a bit higher than I expected. Harden a little bit lower. Jokic right about the right spot. Jim Butler, the big surprise in at number seven. Rudy Gobert, uh, probably even bigger surprise in at number eight. Lillard at nine. Lowry at 10, who's been on fire, even though today he didn't shoot that well. Kemba Walker at 11. The fun guy, Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. (laughs) He comes in at number 12. Nick Vucevic at number 13. There's some element of regression coming, I think, for Lowry, Kemba, and Vuce in those positions. Joel Embiid is at 14. Every time I tweet out top 10s and top 12s on Twitter occasionally, people go, where's Giannis? Where's Giannis? There he is at number 15. His percentages, his lack of threes are keeping him away from that upper area of the league. I imagine the field goal percentage will bump back up for Giannis and he'll start to rise. DeMar DeRozan, a big shocker here. Uh, I suppose if you really believed in DeMar, uh, he was going to be in this mix at number 16. I didn't think he'd be getting out there and dishing eight, nine assists per game and upping his rebounds like he's doing. He's been excellent. Chrissy Middleton at 17, Devin Booker at 18, DeAndre Jordan and his excellent free throws comes in at number 19, and then Carl Anthony Towns for all the panickers on Carl Anthony Towns. He still is only the 20th ranked player, so he hasn't been terrible. It's helped today by a big performance, but that's your current top 28 category value uh, for fantasy basketball for this season. Let's start with this one. Monstrous line of the night. 
It goes to, I get you know who it is, it's Clay Thompson. He had 52 points, which included an NBA record 14 triples. He did it on 18 of 29 shooting and only went to the line twice, hit both of those. The rest of his line's pretty average, five rebounds, zero assists, and a steal, but obviously a fantastic performance from Thompson. Prior to today's game, Clay was hitting 14% from three. Just goes to show you that things can uh, change around quite a bit, and we shouldn't be panicking. I wasn't big on Clay as a... 25 to 35 pick, which is where he was going in some mock drafts. I thought that he was more of that guy that you wanted to look at in that you know, 60 to 55 to 65 type of range. Um, he's been, he's currently the 78th ranked player this season, and that's after today's performance. It was clearly his best game for the season. Uh, I didn't expect him to shoot as poorly as he had, and this will continue to come up, and he will continue to rise and push to that top 50-ish type of mark, I would imagine, but it's his lack of other numbers that, that always hold him back in fantasy. I believe the lack of assists, steals, and blocks, which have been even more noticeable this season, but not to take anything away from Clay because he was excellent today. The opponent, the Chicago Bulls, was probably one of the worst performances you will ever see. They were down by about 40 points at halftime, and even when they were just trying to feed the ball to Clay to get him this NBA record 14 three-pointers, the Bulls just wouldn't cover him. They are an absolute disaster defensively. They were always going to be a disaster defensively. It is as bad as expected, and they are not a good team at all. And Clay, Clay Thompson took full advantage of that. Waiver wire line of the night. The waiver wire line of the night, as the man just said, is Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors. Siakam has played big minutes in each of the last two games, 22 and 8 in this one. Two assists, four steals, and a block, and was very efficient, going at 63% from the field. Big minutes here. He played 37 the game before. We have to remember in this game, the fun guy, Kawhi Leonard, was out. The Jedi, Oji Ananobi. Hello there. He was also sidelined. Fred Van Vliet was also sidelined, enabling Siakam to get this larger role. The usage is the highest usage he's had in any game this season. Prior to this, it was 19%. He was at 22 in this game and shot the ball really well. Added defensive numbers. He'd had three steals in the six games prior to this one, had four in this game. So it really was a perfect storm of a lot of fluky things happening for Siakam plus the extra minutes. He's the 107th ranked player this season. His best category is his field goal percentage by a considerable margin. So he helps their limited production in those other areas. I think he really is a fringe type of 12-team league player. And when Adenobi and when Leonard come back, he's not going to be playing this large of a role as he saw here. But he shows these flashes at times. He shows flashes of being able to do very little at other times as well. So I think we look at this one as somewhat of a fluky performance, especially with that level of uh, level of shooting and the level of offensive involvement. And those steal numbers aren't something that we should be expecting on the regular for old Pascal Siakam. But again, uh, a really solid and impressive performance from him in this one. Ever since I started this podcast, people have always been you know, looking to me for advice, fantasy advice. But it's also important that you are that you when you are looking for this advice. And yeah, you know, I was on a little bit of a streak on my best bets. But knowing where to bet is just as important on knowing uh, as knowing who to bet on. And that's why going to my bookie is a great choice for all of you guys. My my bookie is one of the most trusted online uh, sports betting sites around fast payments, great reviews, and their mobile site is very, very easy to use. You can put some cash down and win big today. Go ahead to uh, and go over to my bookie. 
If you win, they will pay. There's no worries there. In-game live betting for the guys over there. And if you use the promo code Locked On, that will activate the offer, which will allow my bookie to match your deposit up to $1,000 dollar for dollar. You put in 500, they will give you 500. So that is as good a deal as you can get in terms of matching. So go to my bookie and use the promo code Locked On to activate that offer. You play, you win, and you get paid at my bookie. Let's look at the deep league player of the night, and that is of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Josh Okoge, who had 17 points with four rebounds, three assists, and did what he does and what he did in summer league as well, and that's bring the defensive numbers, three steals and a block for Okoge, playing 30 minutes with Andrew Wiggins out. Now, of course, with this sort of performance, it makes people sit up and take notice. Rightfully so. I like Akogi, and you could very easily make the argument to me, and I want you to make the argument to me, that he is a better player than Andrew Wiggins, that he is a better player than Derek Rose, and I am ready to buy into that. But it doesn't matter if I think that. It doesn't matter if you random podcast listener thinks that. All that matters is if Tom Thibodeau thinks that. Now, when Andrew Wiggins comes back, I've seen a lot of people, no, he can still probably carve out a large enough role to be fantasy relevant. He has played five games this year, 28 minutes a night, and he's the 151st ranked player. He's shooting poorly in that time as well, 35%. So that could come up, but he's not known as a shooter. What we have to look at when trying to determine Akogi's value is when Wiggins comes back, what role does he have? Because before Wiggins got hurt, he was literally not in the rotation at all. He has played five games, 29 minutes, 24, 27, 29, and 30. Four of those were starts. And then there was another one where I think where Wiggins got hurt. Yeah, that was the one where Wiggins got hurt. So he's literally only, first game is when Butler was out. And then the next four when Wiggins got hurt. He has not played a single second in any other game. So in order for him to get into these games, to get the 28 minutes that he's producing, which still has him outside the top 150, you need to find 28 minutes a night for him. Is Tom Thibodeau taking eight minutes away from Andrew Wiggins and playing him 30 or 25 minutes a night? I'd probably say no. Is Tom Thibodeau taking it away from a guy he called one of the best players in the entire NBA, Derek Rose? Is he taking away his 26 minutes a night? Probably not. Is he taking away minutes from his best point guard on the team, Tyus Jones? Well, maybe because he's got absolutely zero idea how to use Tyus. But even then, Tyus is getting 16 minutes a night. So is he taking minutes away from Jimmy Butler? Is is Thibodeau going to spread out the rotation Miami Heat style in order to get 20 minutes a night for Akogi, which, by the way, is still not enough for him to be anywhere close to a standard league or probably even 14-team league player. So you have to think, for him to be a standard league guy, that one of Rose or Wiggins is eliminated from the rotation entirely. And that's just not going to happen. And the next thing people go, oh, I'm going to grab him, I'm going to stash him until Butler gets traded. Who are the two guys that we've heard uh, that the Timberwolves will want to get back? Josh Richardson for Miami and the other one. We are not doing a deal with the Houston Rockets unless Eric Gordon is involved. So if Gordon comes over or Richardson comes over, it's clear they're targeting a wing player to replace Jimmy Butler to take all of his minutes. So if Gordon comes over, he's not coming over to play 10 minutes and then the other 27 of Butler's minutes go to a Kogi. That's not how this is going to work. I don't believe anyway, and I don't see the Wolves making a deal that they get rid of Butler and they don't get anyone back who will slide into Butler's role. Now, if that does happen and Butler goes four prospects or four picks, then Akogi would be that guy. But 
Yeah, we've got three different situations here. Butler doesn't get traded. Akogi not in the rotation. Butler does get traded for another guard. Akogi not in the rotation. Butler gets traded for nobody. Akogi probably in the rotation. And even then, what's his upside for this season as a rookie? So therefore, in 12-team leagues, I don't really see it for Akogi for this season. If you've got three scenarios and two, two and a half of them mean that he's not going to be useful, then I probably won't be hanging on to him. There's no real clear path here. Wiggins doesn't have a long-term serious injury, and Butler could get injured. He could stay with this team. He could get injured in January, and that's probably a likelihood that he does get hurt. But are you willing to hold on to literal zeros for three months, two months until that happens? In most cases, that's not a great idea. Now, I love a Kogi long-term, and I do, as I said, you could argue with me that he is better than Wiggins, and I'd probably accept it and go, you know what, because he actually tries hard defensively. He doesn't have the same offensive game as Wiggins. And it, But it's just, I, look, I could be very wrong with this, and I've been wrong on plenty of things before. But I, I will be absolutely stunned if a Kogi is in the rotation ahead of Andrew Wiggins or playing you know, 29 minutes a night with everyone healthy. I, I just I cannot see it happening. For this team, it's going to require Wiggins or Rose or Teague or Jones to lose a lot of their minutes. And I, I don't really see it happening at all. It could. And Akogi, again, was very impressive. But we have to look at the logic behind it and not our logic, what Tom Thibodeau is likely to do and how is all that path going to fit in? How is he going to get those minutes? For deeper leagues, sure, but again, still not even guaranteed to play every single night. And we saw this with Bielitsa last season. He came in, he replaced Butler, he looked good, then went back and played 10 minutes a night, even though he was an actual part of the rotation. Uh, Yeah, so that's my thoughts on Josh Okogie for everybody asking. The young gun of the night. Young gun of the night. That goes to... The man who, who really, he cannot hang with NBA athleticism. He's been exposed. He's got zero ceiling. Uh, he's already reached his peak. That is Luka Doncic, who had 31 points with four triples, eight rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block. Those sort of narratives were absolute bullshit at the time. They were bullshit when he got drafted. They are bullshit now. I tweeted out the other day, you know, obviously sarcastically, oh, has Doncic been exposed by NBA athleticism? And a couple of, yeah, he has. Has he? Because if this is him getting exposed by NBA athleticism, shit, I would love to see when he, uh, if he was more athletic than everyone else, because it would be literally Michael Jordan out there. He has been excellent. He is the 48th ranked player this season. He is averaging over 20 points per game. His lack of athleticism and fitness is allowing him to play 36 minutes a night, six rebounds, four assists, two and a half threes, a steal, 46 and 73, and he's an 80% free throw guy in Europe as well, so that can come up. He's a realistic chance to finish top 30. He looks excellent out there. He is crushing it. The doubts were ridiculous in my mind. They remain, and if you are still holding on the Luka Doncic is a bust train, then seriously, just get your ass off it and throw yourself on front in, in front of the tracks because it's it's ridiculous. He is killing it at the moment. He is getting better every game. Again, that uh, you know that that uh, that ceiling obviously really limited. And he was he was unbelievable today against the San Antonio Spurs. Obviously, he is uh, on all rosters in all leagues, um, and he is probably going to be that top fifty player this season. Just an excellent start to Luka Doncic's career. I tell a man's not hot. Oh, Lonzo Ball. It was not a good night for Lonzo at all. He was just completely lost in this game. The two games since Rondo's been back, he has really struggled. Four points, one rebound, and one assist. 
Rondo had 13, 6, and 8 by comparison. Ball just looked completely lost today. And I think you should be a little bit worried about uh, what his value is like for the rest of the season. He's just outside the top 100 this year, only 27 minutes per game. I think he's going to be better than what we saw today. And if someone does drop him, I would go to the waiver wire and I would grab him. But it hasn't been a great couple of games from Lonzo as he tries to figure out how things are are working with his team. Combined for 10 points in his last 50 minutes of action, not really rebounding, not getting assists, and hasn't got a single defensive stat. The last the, the the last game before those two when Rondo was back against Denver, he looked great. 12, 6, and 8 with five steals. I thought, here we go. It's all happening. He, he's in that role. He's in his groove. But I don't... Yeah, I, yeah. there's obviously a, a level of worry with Lonzo. It's not I'm going to drop him level of worry or anything along those lines, but it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a great performance from old, uh, from old Lonzo. In the, uh, in the action on Monday, let's look at the plus-minus goats. Timmy Frazier of the New Orleans Pelicans had the best net rating of the day, plus 130.5 with uh, Lord Alfred Payton out. And the worst uh, net rating goes to Jared Dudley of the Brooklyn Nets. It helped that Rondé Hollis-Jefferson played well. Dudley struggled, negative 94.9. These are really bench guys, very, very deep level players, and not much that you need to pay attention to. Thankfully, we didn't have much news come down injury-wise today. That's always a good thing. Uh, we did get some news on Kevin Love. It looks like he's going to be out for about a month, which is terrible news. If you did happen to draft Kevin Love, uh, they're not going to rush him back. The Cavs are a real disaster at this point. Uh, Larry Nance, of course, he cannot be on any waiver-wise. It's going to increase the ability, I think, for, for Chetty Osman to get shots. It's going to help, hopefully, with Ante Zizic, depending on what, whoever the new coach is, because uh, the Cavs are saying it's Larry Drew. Larry Drew saying it's not Larry Drew. So who knows what's going on with that situation. There are more shots to go to Rocket Rodney Hood, to go to uh, Colin Sexton. Maybe it goes a little bit to Kyle Corver. Sam Decker will start, so that will give him a bit of a boost in those uh, in those deeper formats, but not really a 12-team guy. So if Hood or Sexton are on your wire, they get a secondary priority to where Larry Nance is, but they're the three guys who I'd consider for 12-team league formats. Um, and then Decker is more a 16-team guy, and I, I just hope we can get some Zizic minutes. I'd love to see Nance and Zizic play together. Probably won't work very well, and I don't know what the um, your net rating combination of those two in lineups has been. I haven't checked that out. It's probably a disaster, but I'd like to see them try that because Tristan Thompson's obviously no good and not the future, and there is an opportunity to see how these two guys can work together. But that is the real injury news uh, of, uh, of the day. Thankfully, again, not too much going on in that regard. Now, if you have a company and you want to hear your company mentioned in this spot. It's a great way to reach people. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with the sponsors that they hear on podcasts. Our demographic is 98% male. They're more educated and higher earning than traditional media audiences. So if you want your company to sponsor this podcast, email me at redrockfantasybasketball at gmail.com. Let's look at these uh, at these games now, looking at the, the box scores in a bit more detail uh, there were nine of them, so we'll go through those. The first one of those was the Atlanta Hawks taking on the Philadelphia 76ers, even until halftime and in the Sixers' real starting lineup without Markel Fultz pulled away. Let's talk about it from the Hawks' point of view. Kent Bazemore continues his strong play. He had a Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. And those of you who are... Uh, new listeners to the show, Richie Benno is two threes, two steals, and two blocks. He's playing way more minutes than I expected, 33 minutes for Kent. The, the specter of a trade is always a concern with Bazemore, but for now, 
He shouldn't be sitting on any wires. I don't know why we had 10 minutes of Miles Plumley. I also don't know why Miles Plumley Plumley was playing next to the Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, but he had six and six. Don't bank on that. Dedman 11 and five, while Alex Len had eight and two in his 15 minutes. Foul trouble limited Len as a starter, but Dedman is the guy for 12 team formats. Trey Young 11, two and eight. The percentages were poor, but that's you know, this is I think what you can expect is almost a floor value for Trey or DeAndre Bembry. He appears locked in as the backup point guard. 24 minutes, five, seven and two. Not going to be an offensive threat really, but rebounds, steals, blocks, assists. He can help in those areas. While Jeremy Lin only the nine minutes. It wasn't a great night for the artist formerly known as Torian Prince. Just the 26 minutes for Torian. 5 and 6, 1 of 11 from the field. Obviously, that's a ludicrously low amount. The only shot he hit was a 3. So you know, maybe send out your buy-low feelers on Tutorian Prince uh, and see if you can acquire him for you know a back-end roster guy if someone looks at this and, and is pretty disappointed, which they should be. Also, a decent game from the Wizard, Amari Spellman, 11 and 6. His value is going to dip when the Baptist John Collins returns, whenever that may be. On to the sixes. Simmons had 21, 12, and 9 uh, from 25% shooting last game to 73%. Well, Joel Embiid had his worst game, 10, 6, and 6. But the minutes were limited in this one due to the blowout nature in the second half. Covington stuffed the stat sheet, 11 and 6, with three steals and two blocks, while Markel Fultz, probably his best game, 16, 4, and 7. And that is that is 12-team usable, no doubt but it's still just the 25 minutes. He still looks lost when playing with Simmons. And then if he goes to a purely bench role, will he even get fewer minutes than 25 a night? That's the concern. If I have him in a 12-team league, he's definitely going to be your worst guy. And that spot should always be considered uh, movable for someone else that you can go and have a look to grab. And I think that's where we're sitting. Dario Saric was bad. One of nine for four points, nine rebounds. I talked about him a lot in the preseason about how bad he was at the end of last season outside the top 130 or 140, I believe. And he is starting off the same way. With these minutes for Fultz, I was always worried that it was going to impact what Dario can do. I'm not saying that he's a droppable guy just yet, but in a couple of weeks' time, I could very well be changing my tune on that if this doesn't uh, if this doesn't right itself and, and he start to become great. I don't think his upside's high. Some people were taking him like top 60, top 50, which never made any sense to me, and uh, it's playing out that way. 13 points for Landry Shamet as well, who's fitting really well. But uh, when Baby Neck Wilson Chandler returns, I'm not really sure what we see from Shamet. The Moose, Mike Muscala. I think he's going to be the primary backup big man. He already is pretty much. Amir Johnson had 15 minutes. Well, 19 went to the Moose. 14 and 5 with four triples. He can block shots. He can hit threes. He can rebound. He can score. That's some deeper league value. So keep an eye on the old Moose, Mike Muscala. Let's move on to the next game. It's the Portland Trailblazers. They had a 10-point win on the road over the Indiana Pacers, 103-93. How's Zach Collins going? 27 minutes, 17, 3, and 3, and a block. And I just keep I keep saying, I'm not sure he can continue 100% shooting. I'm not sure he's going to have six blocks again, but he keeps producing. He is a guy I loved coming out of the draft. I loved his fantasy upside, and he was very disappointing last season until the last six weeks, month of the season. 27 minutes here, but again, there's always a caveat with his performances. Yusuf Nurkic had two fouls in the first two minutes of the game, and then he sat and played only 18 minutes. Then Myers Leonard came in and had three fouls in three minutes, so he didn't play. So Collins played the bulk of the minutes. I maintain that he is going to start over Yusuf Nurkic by next season. He will be the starter on this team, and he will be a top 100 fantasy player 
pretty comfortably. And for now, he just continues to produce. He continues to make Nurkic not necessarily look silly, but look like he doesn't have a full stranglehold on that job. So Collins should be on a roster. It could very easily change. He goes back and plays 19 minutes next game, and Nurkic plays 29. But Collins's presence is putting a cap on what Nurkic can do. I also got questions, as always. People love this guy, Caleb Swanigan. 19 minutes, 11 and 10, great performance. He had played nine minutes prior to this game and he got into the game because Nurkic and because Leonard had that foul trouble. I don't think he's a great fit for the modern NBA. He plays well in summer league and he's terrible in the NBA. A really good performance from him today. I don't think you need to be paying really too much attention here. Evan Turner was solid with the Mo Harkless out, 13, 8, and 3. A fringe 12, more 14 team league guy and uh, Al Farouk Aminu, the chief. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. I don't even know, was this good or shit? 11 and 10 in 29 minutes? It's solid. He, he's you know, he's fine as a 12-team league guy. He airballed a three, which again just really made me want to play this clip in my head. Um, yeah, solid enough. No low upside 12-team league sort of a player. Lillard wasn't at his best. 16 points with only two assists. The shots didn't fall. Well, Sauce Castillo led the team in assists. Five for Nick Stauskas. 10 points in 24 minutes. A solid streamer, but more 14 to 16-team leagues. On the pace is Victor Oladipo. 21, 9, and 7. The shot not falling for him this season. Been somewhat of a disappointment, as you saw. It wasn't in the top 20 so far for the year. Well, Daz Collison, 36 minutes, 17, 2, and 6. Now, he played well last game uh, with Tyreek Evans suspended, and I thought he'd go back to 25 minutes. But in this game, Nate McMillan, after the game, said our bench was really struggling defensively, so we just rode our starters a lot. So that allowed Corey Joseph to play only 15 minutes and Tyreek Evans to only play 15 minutes. I'm not buying that Darren Collison is a 36-minute-a-night guy. He can be an efficient point guard, but he was getting 25 minutes a night prior. And if it goes back to that distribution of minutes, he's not going to be a 12-team league player. As for Tyreek, really disappointing. I thought he'd be playing 27, 28 a night, really taking over, closing the game alongside Oladipo. But Nate McMillan does not like him, is refusing to play him, and... Evans' minutes and production are suffering. And I think if you do want to move on from 12-team leagues, it's probably the right time. Now, he will bounce back. He will have better moments. And he, if he settles into a 25-minute role, that probably is top 100 worthy. But at this point, there are a lot of genuine concerns. Thaddeus Young had a strong game. He started off poorly, but the last couple have been okay. 16 points with two steals, while Bogdanovich had 14 in a monster 37 minutes. Miles Turner, three blocks is nice from Turner. Everything else is not missed. All four of his free throws, 10 and 9, while Sabonis had 6 and 8 with two steals and a block, and they just keep seagulling each other's value. Uh, yeah, Turner's still a 12-team league guy. Sabonis is a back end. I th- I look at Sabonis as a better Taj Gibson at this point. Yeah, rock solid with limited upside, especially when Turner's around now. If Turner gets hurt, then uh, Sabonis is going to be a a pretty strong top 70 guy. But for now, the the limits on the minutes there are are always going to be a concern, I believe. The next game, the surging Sacramento Kings, winners of three straight, four and three on the season. They beat the Miami Heat on the road, the start of a four-game road trip for the Kings, 123-113. It's amazing when you play your better players, the bigger minutes, that it works. And I don't know what's taken so long for Budrick Heald to play these big minutes. 36 minutes for Bud, and he contributed right across the board. 23, 8, and 5, two steals, a block. He actually got to the free throw line. He hit four triples. I had him projected uh, pretty highly. A lot of people doubted that. I started to doubt myself because I was like, what's he going to do? Is he going to dick me around? I feel pretty confident about it now. Heald is looking great. Now, Bogdan Bogdanovich can come back at some point, but they just need to start Bogdanovich at the three. 
piss him on, chomp it off, and run those two together and have them be the future at the two and the three for this team. Uh, Heald was great. Darren Fox, also excellent. 24 and 8, two steals and a block. And Nemanja Bielica. 19, 5, and 5, two steals and a block. I talked about it yesterday. If games are close, he plays 32 minutes. If games are a blowout loss, he plays like 24. I don't think you can leave Bielitsa on the um, on the waiver wire. He's outplaying Marvin Bagley, who had 7 and 5 with a steal and two blocks, but only 17 minutes, which is a concern in itself. But again, I don't really rate Bagley that highly. And Bielitsa, despite being 30 years of age, is playing is playing really well. And it's giving the Kings fans a level of hope that they're winning games. And you know, by all means, do it. Bielitsa could lose playing time and lose form really comfortably. He's had this before, hot stretches, and then he just goes completely ice cold and looks like ass out there. So just be be prepared for that. Yeah, Bagley, I suppose you can still keep getting by on these sort of performances, which was a solid enough performance, but yeah, it looks like there is a real roadblock in terms of minutes. Iman Shumpert started. He doesn't do anything. He is not worthy of a 12 or a 14 team league roster. While Costa Kufos was back. 12 minutes for Kufos. He took Harry Giles out of the rotation. Six and four for Kufos. He looked pretty solid next to Bagley. He does what he does. He's a great per-minute producer. We know that. Um, Giles out of the rotation. A lot of people took flyers on Giles for 12-team leagues and so much buzz. Man, he's the best big man here. He's killing it. He's just the best player in camp, and now he can't get a single second. And again, I, I did tweet this out today, so apologies for those of you who follow me and now listening to this as well. But uh, I thought if you sit out your true rookie season with an injury, that gives you a huge advantage over everybody, and you should be dominating and winning the rookie of the year. Obviously, uh, not happening for Harry Giles. So I guess we can just pick and choose when to use that argument. Yeah, obviously hasn't helped Giles because he is struggling and he looks completely lost, especially defensively. Onto the heat. People still ask me, oh, should I drop Josh? Should I drop Josh Richardson to grab uh, Ali Akoba? Like, no, no, you don't. You don't drop Josh Richardson. You don't drop him at any point this season at all. Thirty-seven minutes, thirty-one points, four triples, two steals, and three blocks. He said, Richie Benno, pff, screw that. Let's go higher. He is fantastic. The shot hadn't been falling. He is the main man on this team. He is going to get the minutes. He is going to get the shots. And please, don't consider dropping him. If he's on the wire, don't hesitate to add him. He's good. He's very, very good. Hassan Whiteside had 10 boards in the first quarter, had 16 and 24 overall with five blocks. He has been a, a real bounce-back guy this season. Strong play from him. And Kelly Linick, who played 28 minutes in the last two games as a starting power forward, played 16 here. So that sort of chopping and changing bullshit with Jim Johnson, yeah, potentially returning soon. Is that going to impact Linux? He's a low upside guy with these other guys around. Scooter Magruder still played a lot of minutes, 32 minutes, keeping Wayne Allington, the Duke, out of the rotation. But it sort of fell back to earth to Magruder. 7-2-6. And, and this is a guy that we knew, we've known to come and... We've, sorry, we've come to know and love across his career. A guy that can go out there and do nothing in in minutes. And the start of the season was a big surprise. He was you know, obviously useful to, to grab in 12-10 leagues. But I, w- I would imagine that his value starts to fade when when uh, Waiters and when James Johnson returns. As for the Duke, surprisingly out of the rotation, you feel like that has to change at some point. Whether it's Magruder's expense, it's probably going to be Tyler Johnson's expense. But Johnson, he did all right today, 11-4-4 four, four with two steals. It's going to be interesting to see which way that Eric Spolstra goes uh, with those players. Let's move on to the next game now. 
we're talking about the uh, Brooklyn Nets and the New York Knicks. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson remained on the bench, but 27 minutes was encouraging. 16-7 and seven with a steal and two blocks. This is why we like Rondé. I was really worried about watching him at the start of this season. He just didn't look engaged. He looked off, off uh, offensively. Obviously, the, the groin injury was still bothering him. If he was on the wire, I, I'd go grab him. I'm not sure how high his upside is. Jared Dudley had a real stinker, but Dudley had been solid prior to this game. So, I can see Rondé moving back into the starting lineup, but I'm not having massive hopes. And this, this could very well be the best performance Hollis Jefferson has this season. D'Angelo Russell and Karis Levert, they struggled after a big game uh, yesterday against the Warriors. 13 for D'Angelo and Levert had four points on 11 shots, but still added five assists, still added two steals. And we talked about how Levert's field goal percentage was going to come down. It's happening now, but he's still a, a solid option. The blue swimmer, Alan Crabb, terrible. Eight points in 25 minutes, not a 12, not maybe a 14-team league guy. He just he just isn't very good. Simple as that, in my opinion. Well, Spencer Dinwiddie, strong night from Spence, 17 points. The two blocks are fluky. The 60% shooting is fluky. I think he's a fringe 12-team league player. The Knicks did indeed keep that same starting line from against the Warriors. Frank Nilakina at point guard, which is good because that's his best position. Timmy Hardaway, uh, Damo Dotson, Noah Vonley, and Mitchell Robinson. I went and got grabbed uh, Robinson in all my leagues that I could. He, he played only 15 minutes. He did get hacked a little bit at, at one point, but 11-3 and three with a steal and a block and perfect 5-5 five of five from the field in only 15 minutes. I'll take it. I would I would add him in all 12-team formats. Now, Ennis Cantor, I'm not dropping him. He had 15-15 and 15 in 26 minutes. We know in 26 minutes, Cantor's a top 100 player. Give him 30 minutes, he's a top 30, top 40 player. But if he's still getting 26 off the bench, it's fine. And we know he's pissed about it. Fisdale has no ability to stick to his convictions with anything. We've seen that already. Oh, Robinson's going to be spending time in the G League. Cool. Five games in, he's starting. Oh, Kevin Knox, he's going to start. He's going to play through his lumps. Cool. One game, he's on the bench. So who knows what's going to happen here if Cantor comes and complains again. Will he move back to the starting lineup? I don't have faith in Fisdale to keep anything consistent. But they had a big win with this lineup, so I think it's going to stick for a little bit of time. Neil Aquina, 16-5-4 in 32 minutes. Much more aggressive offensively in this new configuration, and that's good for him. He's a guy that I would go and scoop. As for Trey Burke, Get rid of him. Hazonia, of course, you've gotten rid of him already. Burke was just garbage. Five points in 14 minutes. And that 40-game sample of Trey Burke, he looked great last season, but this is the Trey Burke we saw in Washington. This is the Trey Burke we saw in Utah, someone who's not good enough to be an NBA starter caliber player. And we're seeing it. I'm still worried that Fisdale's going to throw Emmanuel Moutier in there as the starting point guard, and that's going to be a disaster when that happens because he is dreadful, but he returned to action. So just brace yourself for that bullshit. And as for a low upside player, Noah Vonley, 8 and 10 in 29 minutes. I think he's going to be the starting power forward, at least until the Fort Kevin Knox gets back on his feet. And that can have some you know, 14, maybe maybe 12-team league value there for Von Late. Hardaway had 25, 5, and 8, so yeah, strong performance from him. The next game, the Chicago Bulls and the Golden State Warriors. There was there's really not much to talk about. Talked about Clay already. This game was over at halftime. It was 92 to 50, I believe, at halftime. Ended up 149, 124. Alfonso McKinney, I did talk about him yesterday, and he came out and made me look good, which is always good when someone can do that. 27 minutes for McKinney, 19 and 10 with four triples and a block. No Sean Livingston, so he stepped up into that role. He's ahead of Jacob Evans. He's ahead of Pat McCaw, who's still not signed. McKinney's probably going to struggle to have a game like this all that often, but deeper leagues... Uh, you have to pay attention because he has played himself into a considerable rotation role. 
the centers, 18 minutes for Jordan Bell, 17 for Kevon Looney, 14 for Damo Jones. I tweeted out, obviously sarcastically, that it was a Jordan Bell revenge game today, and then uh, he shit the bed. Because, again, revenge games aren't real, and I cannot say that enough. Those centers, Bell, Looney, Jones, they're all deeper league sort of guys, and no one is establishing them. Only 70 minutes for Iguodala as well. There was absolutely zero need to extend him on a back-to-back. For the Bulls, Levine, 21-6-2. Defensively was horrible, but still getting the numbers out there, so a strong performance. While Campaign had 15 in 20 minutes, while Ryan Archer Jackano played 28 minutes. Have absolutely, unless you are just gunning for the number one pick now, playing Archer Jackano is a surefire way to absolutely get cooked. Three points for him in 28 minutes, not a 12, not a 14, not a 16-team league guy. Now, I would still have Payne as a 12-team league player because 15-3-2 and two, solid. But if I had to make a choice to yeah, look to grab someone like Ali Okobo, who I think is going to be interesting, I would move Payne for Okobo because Payne's value is limited now and lessened when Dunn returns, whereas Okobo, the trajectory is upwards. And that's the sort of move that I'm looking to make. 27 minutes for Wendell Carter. This is his best performance. 18, 7, and 4, and you'd probably give that an extra 20% bonus because it comes against the Golden State Warriors. He should not be on any waiver wires, Wendell Carter Jr. I don't know why they were giving Chris Felizio minutes over him. That shouldn't stick, uh, but again, Fred Hoiberg's not a good coach, so maybe it does. Robin Lopez is unhappy with his benching, but he's not going to be back in the rotation, it appears. Uh, Carter, he, he's, he, start, he struggled in a few of these games, but the block rate's been high. Didn't have any blocks here, but this is a, a strong indication of the sort of player that Wendell Carter Jr. can become. Jabari Parker, uh, poor shooting, but uh, 15, 9, and 6 is a pretty solid outing. Or Chandler Hutchison, yeah. Has not uh, has not taken to the NBA rotation all that well at all. The next game we look at, the Toronto Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks. It was the matchup of Kawhi Leonard, the undefeateds, against Giannis Antetokounmpo, the undefeateds. And then both Kawhi and Giannis ended up being out. The Raptors were without the Jedi and Fred Van Vliet as well. Serge Ibaka uh, was starting, and then the Raptors tweeted out that Valanciunas was starting, and then it was corrected one second before tip-out tip off that Ibaka was starting. It always made sense that Ibaka would start against Brook Lopez, and he was excellent. I thought he was cooked, but he is rejuvenated under Nick Nurse. 30-9 and with a block and two triples for Serge. It doesn't matter if he's starting or coming off the bench. It's all about, and I talked with Sean Woodley on Locked On NBA about this yesterday, utilizing your players in the best possible scenario for them actually makes them play better. Now, for as well as Serge has played, he's still only the 79th ranked guy this season, and he's shooting at a a tremendously high level, 52%. From the field, his rebounds are up. The shot blocking still isn't where it used to be back in his prime. So he's probably going to settle around the 100th best player, but that's still you know, a valuable type of uh, type of guy. Um, the um, Valanciunas, only 13 minutes. It was a bad matchup for JV here. He still took 10 shots. It had a 35% usage and only hit three of them. If he hits another two of those, we're talking about a 14-3 and three night, which in 13 minutes is pretty bloody impressive. I am still holding Valanciunas. Um, there are you know, issues, obviously, with the minutes, but he can still be productive. Say, compare him to someone like a Noah Vonley, who is maybe a big man on the wide that you're looking for. Um, if you want to make a switch, Mitchell Robinson would be a curious one to make. Uh, I would be interested in doing it. I probably, I, I just want to believe in Valanciunas, but the minutes, I thought he had a real chance to push into a much larger role this season. The most minutes he's played was against Dallas, where he had 17-8 and eight last game in uh, 22 minutes. That's the biggest role he's played. But he's also scored. In, this is his scoring the last four, five games. 16-17, 16-17, 10 in a maximum 10 minutes. 
So the scoring's there, the shot attempts there. The problem is he's just not getting the, the shot blocks in the last three games. But um, uh, he, he's a tough one in terms of uh, in terms of what we're going to uh, do in terms of holding on onto him because he's still producing, but the minutes are, are obviously a real concern. Norm Powell started for the fun guy. He didn't do very much, so nothing to get excited about there. While Lowry finally didn't shoot well, but two steals, two blocks, and 15 assists with six rebounds. You've got to be happy with that. On the Bucks, no uh, Yanni. So Ursan Ilyasova had 19 and 10 with three triples. He is, as long as Andalukumpo's out with his concussion, then uh, Ilyasova's a 12-team league guy, but it's clearly short-term. Bledsoe, 17 points. Middleton, 14, 4 and 8. Everyone picked up the slack, including Brogo, Malcolm Brogdon, who had 17 and 5 in his 28 minutes. And I forgot to mention this yesterday, and I do apologize Thon Maker against the Raptors is the most it is the strangest phenomenon in the NBA that Thon sorry McCurr plays when it plays well against the Raptors every single time. He got minutes at power forward because Giannis wasn't there and had 11 and 7 in 23 minutes. I cannot explain it. I know he uh, went to school in uh, in around Toronto in Canada uh, somewhere in Ontario. Maybe it's that, but this was in Milwaukee. It wasn't in Toronto. It is just a weird phenomenon, and he wasn't even really playing in the rotation before today's game, and not something we need to get too excited about, but it's always interesting when those weird phenomena uh, keep reappearing, which is exactly what we saw in this game from McCurr. The next game, we look at the Lakers and the Minnesota Timberwolves. LeBron, he was great, 29, 10, and 7. He almost had the Richie as well, but hit a, hit a third three, three threes, two steals, two blocks, Brandon Ingram rejoined the starting lineup, battled foul trouble. That pushed Joshy, the hitman, Hart to the bench. 24 and 5 for Ingram with three threes and three blocks. He shot exceptionally well. I don't expect that to continue, but I also expect the minutes to be higher, while Hart only had 24 minutes. And I think if we're going to run with this Ingram, Kuzma, LeBron, 2 3 4 combination, it's going to make Hart pretty tough to have a 12 team league uh, grade on him. It's also going to push Contavious Caldwell Pope out of the rotation. KCP played seven minutes and went scoreless. He is, yeah, he's struggling in a big way. JaVale McGee, 31 minutes, 13 and five with two steals and three blocks. I was under the impression that he wasn't going to be able to play this level of minutes. That's all the talk I've heard from the last four years from McGee that he just cannot aerobically do that. That's clearly bullshit because he is running 30 minutes a game on a high pace team and yeah, one of one of Kyle McEwen's best calls this offseason to be really on JaVale. I grabbed him in a few last rounds, but he is clearly exceeding that. Rondo had 13, 6, and 8. I still don't fully buy into Rondo having this level of value all season, but it's pretty hard to leave that on the wire. So uh, go ahead and uh, grab that. Carl Anthony Towns, 25 and 16, 6 assists, a steal, and 4 blocks. This is why you picked him at number 3 or number 4. He had been struggling, clearly. When Butler's traded, I think he's going to blow up, but uh, that's nice to get this sort of production. While Butler had 32-6 and six with a steal and two blocks, good for him. Taj Gibson, not a 12-team league guy, but the two steals and three blocks are nice. They just don't happen often enough. Well, Jeff Teague is bad. My name is Jeff. 9-3-5 with two steals. Tyus Jones does not rack up stats, but he's a better player than Jeff Teague, in my opinion. While Jer- Derek Rose had one of the worst fantasy games for an 11-7-7 performance you can have because he had no threes, no steals, no blocks. He was 25% from the field on 16 attempts, and he went 3-5 of five from the line. So negatives in numerous categories, despite on the surface that 11-7-7 looking pretty good. And that's the issue with Derek Rose. No threes, no steals, no blocks, bad percentage from the field, and usually doesn't get that many assists, although he has been an excellent source of assists this season and has 12-team value at this point. But um, 
wasn't uh, wasn't his best night with all those other negatives being attributed to his game. The Dallas Mavericks and the San Antonio Spurs, Dennis Smith, 38 minutes, 22 four, with four assists and two steals. He looks great next to Luka Doncic, while DeAndre Jordan missed both his free throws. Is the dream over? I still think he's going to be a 70-ish free throw shooter. 8 and 18 for DeAndre. The pencil Harrison Barnes had 18 and 7. I'm going to state it once more for the last time. Why do you call Harrison Barnes the pencil? Because the standard pencil over here in Australia, and I've got a pencil here with me. I'm going to show you guys who are watching on YouTube. Actually, I'll bring my... Because I'm on the little camera at the moment, so you're not going to be able to see it. Maybe I'll bring the big camera up for you guys to see it. There we go. Let's see if you can see the pencil. See the type of pencil? You would call that a number one pencil. But here and everywhere else in the world, it is called an HB pencil. Harrison Barnes' initials are HB. Therefore, he is called the pencil. And if you ever talk to anyone about pencils, in, in at least in this country, oh, what kind of pencil? Oh, it's an HB. That's a standard comment. But you guys call it a number two pencil. And that is the last time I'm going to discuss that. Harrison Barnes had 18 and 7 while Wes Matthews had been red hot. He stunk 8, 2, and 3 in 39 minutes. I really worried about what Matthews was going to do this season, and I looked wrong to begin the season. I still think in the end I'll be proven right. The minutes are still there. The production wasn't quite there as Barnes works his way back in. So just pay attention to that, and I think you, you might consider uh, Matthews as not a 12-team league guy pretty soon. For the Spurs, DeRozan, 43 minutes in the overtime, 34, 6, and 9 with three steals. The rebounds, the assists, the steals, they're all up this season. He's not taking really any threes at all because he cannot hit them. Uh, and Greg Popovich hates three-pointers. Strong from him. Rudy Gay obviously shouldn't be on the wire. 15, 11, and 4 with six steals, while Aldridge had 26 and 4. Yucca Pirtle out of the rotation. Dante Cunningham started at power forward, uh, while Bryn Forbes did what he does. He scores 12 points and does nothing else. That is not really useful for 12-team leagues. It's fine if you need someone to give you 12 or 13 points, but he does nothing else. 12, 0, and 1. It's like a worse version of Derek Rose, basically. It's not a 12-team league guy. Powell obviously isn't as well. Went scoreless and took one shot, Powell Gasol. That's weird. And let's move on to the last game of the night where injuries obviously uh, played a part in the rotations for the New Orleans Pelicans. Let's uh, they were without uh, Anthony Davis. They were without Lord Alfred Payton and Darius Miller. Drew Holiday had 16, 8, and 9. And Julius Randle was going to, uh, who was going to start, and then he was coming off the bench 24, 8, and 6 with a steal and a block for Randall in 27 minutes because Jaleel Okafor started. Turns out, still not good. 9 and 3 in 18 minutes. And Solomon Hill started for Drew Holiday. Uh, sorry, for Alfred Payton. No idea why there either. 4, 2, and 2. It should have been Frank Jackson. Alvin Gentry was singing his praises at the end. I think it's not. It's only going to be a matter of time before he moves into the backup point guard role. 10 points for Jackson in 26 minutes. It's not going to be useful long-term for standard leagues. Alfred Payton and Anthony Davis' injuries aren't considered serious. But Jackson should have started this game. He should continue to start if uh, he should start. Sorry, if uh, if Peyton does miss any more time, eats one more was solid with 18 points. But as always with him, it always comes on high percentage shooting, and when that's not there, there's very little else that he provides. Miritich had six, 17, and 10. On to the Nuggets. The Blue Arrow, 23-5-2 with five steals and a block. People legitimately dropped Jamal Murray in their leagues. This always goes to show the first couple of weeks. Calm your tits. Like, just relax on these sort of things. Oh, man, you can't shoot. You can't do anything. Uh, yeah, calm down. And if you grab Jamal Murray off the wire, can you uh, can you let me know? Because you're obviously doing pretty well. Jokic had 12, uh, 9, and 10. Wasn't his best game. Foul trouble there. Well, Gaz Harris. Nice, Gary. 23, 6, and 6. Two steals and a block. This bloke, if this bloke was in the Eastern Conference, he'd be an all-star. I think he is. He looks excellent. Well, Millsap finally had a good game. 18 and 8 with a steal and a block. 
Monty Morris, 24 minutes. So got the minutes over Juancho Hernan Gomez. Got the minutes over Tory Craig, who was piss poor and shouldn't really be starting at all. But as I talked about after his game against the Lakers, Monty, he was shooting at a rate that was unsustainable and the shot didn't fall. Seven points, two assists and three steals. I don't think that he is a guy that absolutely has to be a 12-team league guy. The upside for minutes is limited and the production in that big game was just something that's not sustainable. Good little breakout from Malik Beasley, 12 and 6. Maybe he gets extra run uh, with show and Tory Craig really struggling. But again, not really too much to look at with, uh, with Malik in terms of value moving forward. Let's uh, move on to some DFS action now and talk about the uh, the perfect lineups from uh, from Monday's action. You got Jamal Murray at 41. This is for DraftKings. Jamal Murray, 41.75. Budrick Heald, 47. DeMar DeRozan, 60. Alfonso McKinney, 38.5. Hassan Whiteside, 58.5. Clay had 66.25. Pascal Siakam, 44. Carl Anthony Towns, 64.5 for a total of 420.5. And that cost $49,700. And yeah, congratulations. I think well, I probably should check who uh, who actually won because I did do the um I did do the uh, first locked on. Uh, fantasy basketball draft kings kings contest we had 20 uh, people a five dollar entry i have uh, i have set up another one for tomorrow so check my twitter uh, handle or check my twitter uh, timeline you can see that contest it's going to be a 40 uh, a 40 man league tomorrow the winner of today's one shout out to you timmy g 43 who won the uh the first one of uh of those with 338 points and again go and join tomorrow's one which will be up there a uh, 40 man five dollar entry contest over on DraftKings. the perfect lineup on fangel We've got uh, Daz Collison, 34.4. The Blue Arrow, 45. Clay Thompson, 59. DeMar DeRozan, 61.7. Joshy Richardson, 49.6. Rudy Gay, 45.2. Siakam, 47.6. Serge Ibaka, 45.3. And Carl Anthony Towns, 63.2 for a total of 451. And that cost $58,800 dues. An eight-game slate for us to look at. We're going to focus more on DraftKings on today's show. The first one of those games, the Sacramento Kings taking on the Orlando Magic. The Kings on a back-to-back. The Magic are favored by four and a half points, and the total is 223. Vegas doesn't look at this one as a blowout, so we've, I think we've got to look at Nemanja Bielitsa and the starters having a steady role like we've seen in pretty much all games from, uh, from the Kings so far. DraftKings pricing, 6900 for De'Aaron Fox. Giggity. Really hard to go past that. He's putting up big numbers, averaging 37 over the last five. Had a 41 today. Jaron Grant and DJ Augustine for the Magic. Yeah, maybe you could throw them into a tournament. Grant has a pretty strong average against the Kings, and most of that, all that coming with the Bulls. Uh, and Augustine at 43 as a starter is okay. I'd look at Grant more just as my tournament flyer in case he gets more minutes, but it's not a high-priority one. Shooting guard, Budrick Heald, 5,500. I love this one. This is really, really strong value for Buddy. He had 47 today. He's averaging 38 over his last three. He should piss this in in terms of breaking value. While Fournier at 5,600. Uh, it wasn't a great game from Evan last last time out. I think he's got 30-point potential here, so he's a cash option and probably a tournament upside guy as well. The small forwards, as Gordon, 6,800, really struggling, averaging under 23 in his last three games. Of course, he does have 45-point upside against a Kings team who does have some defensive concerns on a back-to-back. You'd look at Gordon, but I'd look at him more as a tournament guy. While Beer leads are at 57, that's almost impossible to go past, to be honest. Putting up consistently good numbers. 
Uh, nearly every time out, they're averaging 46 over the last three. Like him quite a bit. Justin Jackson, not not that interested there. Johnny Isaacs at 4,700. Uh, can always rack up those steals and blocks in big numbers. So that's an interesting tournament option at 4,700. But there are better options out there. And Bagley at 5,200. You're really looking at him as a tournament guy in case the game becomes a blowout and he comes in for his garbage time specials. That could work, but in cash, you don't want to rely on that. At center, Corley Steins at 6,300. He is getting numbers on a consistent basis. I like that. While Vuce at 8,600 is too high. Look, Corley Stein and Vucevic are averaging the same points over the last three games, and you can save 2,300 by taking Willie. So I will take Willie. And uh, Mo Bamba. One, two, three, four, five. He's at 4,000. The minutes are okay. The production is not. So uh, let's leave him out of it. Let's check this one over on Fangio. Aaron Gordon at 7,700. Still, you know, that tournament upside's there. Vucevic at 88. Much limited, more limited value on Fangio, but at 6,600's pretty strong. Uh, Vuce is okay there. Isaac at 57, more more tournaments as well. While Bielitsa is up to 6,500, and his recent production makes that look pretty good. Can he keep it up? Do you have confidence? I have a, a limited amount of confidence. I don't think that it's a, I don't think it's a bad play by any stretch of the imagination. The next game we look at, the Atlanta Hawks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs with who knows who their head coach is going to be in this one. The Cavs are favored by four. The total is 226. Um, Can they get their first win of the season? They've got a new coach in place. The Hawks are coming off a back-to-back in this game. Let's look at this DraftKings-wise. I think Colin Sexton's going to get a big push here. $4,000. I like him in cash, but I love him in tournaments. George Hill, I'd be leaning away from 4,700. He could have a decent game. I'm just not confident. that The, the big reason that Ty Lue was fired was not pushing the minutes for the younger guy. So I don't think this new guy is going to come in and go, well, I know my predecessor got fired for not playing the young guys, but maybe if I don't play the young guys, I'll be okay. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Now, Sexton's not good. He struggles a lot, but he can he can have a lucky night or two. And I think at 4,000, he's pretty bloody hard to go past. Now, compare that with uh, 7,200 for Trey Young. Now, the first time that Young went up against the Cavs, he dropped uh, 60 DraftKings points. So some decent upside there, but I think that I'd only be looking at Trey as a tournament guy. The Cavs are poo, so their defense could allow another big night, but I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be too over, overly interested. 4,600 for Geordie Clarkson is the ultimate tournament guy. We know that he's uh, he hasn't met a shot he didn't want to take, and that can, uh, that can work out. Vince Carter, listed as a shooting guard, is the starting power forward for Atlanta. 3,200. You want nothing to do with Vince here. Rocket Rodney Hood at 51 is a great tournament play. Love him for tournaments here. While Kent Bazemore is crushing every night, has always had a good history against Cleveland. Uh, always went balls to the wall against LeBron. Of course, LeBron's not there, but he is crushing at the moment. 5,700 is pretty strong as well. Uh, small forwards, Chetty Osman, 5,500, has really, really been bad the last couple, averaging only 16 points his last three outings. No Kevin Love, I think, will get some more shots going his way. A re-energized Chetty, maybe, at 5,500, is a strong tournament guy. Well, DeAndre Bembry, 4,100, I like that for cash. Struggled a bit today, only 18 points. That's not bad at 4,100, but 24-25, I think, is a reasonable expectation, while the artist... Uh, formerly known as Torian Prince, 7,100. It's probably a little bit too high, but the defensive matchup here against the Cavs would would uh, allow me to utilize him. Slam and Sammy Decker, 3,700. Tournaments only. I have no faith in him. Your big man's here. The big man's? Um, the Undertaker. Um. 
Dwayne Dedman, 4,800. A little bit of a disappointment last time out. I do like this opportunity for him to go out there and give you another 25 or 26. You've got Larry Nance at 6,200. I think this is a 30-pointer minimum for Laz. His, um, his salary went up, which is disappointing, but I still think that he is worth looking at. Alex Lennon at 46. Tristan Thompson, uh, probably not going to worry too, uh, too much about those blokes. On Fangio, the Undertaker and Sexton, yeah, pretty strong options. Forty eight hundred for Sexton. Yeah, you always want to look at rookies more as tournament guys, but I get the feeling it's going to be a big game for him. While uh, formerly is at seven thousand three hundred, yeah, decent enough floor. I think he'll bounce back from today's performance. Osman Bembry, they're nowhere near as appealing. Trey Young at seventy one hundred on Fangio is uh, is an interesting type of guy. As I think it's better value on Fangio for Young versus what he looks like over on the old DK. Look at the next game. It's the Miami Heat on a back-to-back, traveling to Charlotte. The Hornets are favored by four. The total is 221 points. Dwayne Wade didn't miss the last back-to-back the Heat played, so I'm not sure if he's going to miss this one. Haven't heard anything about that. We get that news early in the day. It's got to come out by 1 p.m. Eastern if anyone's resting. Kemba Walker's at 8,300. He is absolutely on fire this season. Very, very tough to go past him as a cash option, while Tyler Johnson at 3,500. Obviously beat that today, and if Wade is out, I think you'd look at Johnson at, at that salary anyway as an interesting option. Wado at 47 has a pretty good history of destroying the Hornets. I'm not certain I'd look at him on a back-to-back, though. The iron shoulder, Goran Dragic, just giving you 30, 32, 33 a night, which is solid. Um, I wouldn't be you know, falling all over myself to go and roster him, but, but he's okay. Uh, shooting guards, I like Nick Batum. 5,200 seems very, very cheap. You should be looking at, he's averaging 25 this season, has had some issues with, with shooting, but 5,200 is too cheap, and this could be a 35, 34-pointer for uh, for Batum. And Jez Lamb at 46 has also been underperforming, but I also think at that price, he is a strong option against a Heat team on the second night of a back-to-back. Malik Monk is struggling, 4,000. I'll, I'll leave that alone. Joshy Richardson at 66 obliterated his value today. Clearly, he is still a bit up and down, but 6,600 makes him a tough one to avoid, whereas I think on Fangio, his price is significantly higher. So, um, yeah, a, a better option on DraftKings for uh, for old Josh. Scooter Magruder's at 6,200. That's that's too high. Miles Bridges at 3,400. He looked great, played 30 minutes last game, did only have 20 points, but at 3,400, I think he's worth throwing in there, get some other big price guys in around him. Marvin Williams, uh, Justice Winslow, no thanks. Power forwards, all the big men, centers and power forwards. Kelly Linick at 5,200. Really shit the bed today. I think a bounce back could be in order here for Linick. He does well against Charlotte. I think you're looking at a 25, 26 point performance from a Linick, which would be enough for value there. And his, his uh, percentage on, on rosters would be pretty low too. While Hassan Whiteside at 7,400. An absolute monster today. I don't really have too much faith in him backing that up. So I think I'd end up fading him. Zella, Bam, Biombo, Hernan Gomez, who is out of the rotation, preferred to Biombo, or Biombo was preferred to him last game. So obviously no real uh, no real value in looking at Bill at this uh, at this point. On Fangel, Batum, Bridges, Kemba, they're all pretty good cash options. Jezza Lamb at 54 is more tournamenty. And Joshy Richardson, as I said, seven thousand two hundred is probably it's probably pushing it a little bit too high for him on Fangio, but it's it's not a horrible decision to go ahead and uh, and roster him. The next game we've got the Sixers and the Raptors. Both of these teams are on back to backs. There's no spread currently. I'm not really sure why because Kawhi Leonard will be back for this game. And no real other injuries unless they're really concerned about Van Vliet and the Jedi. Um, but no current spread out for this one. Markel Fultz at 4,100. Great game against Atlanta. I think he'll be minimized in this game, so I'll be uh, I'll be off him. 
Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, the backups there for uh, Toronto. Not a lot of love. Uh, it's all going to be Ben Simmons and Kyle Lowry. 9,100 for Ben, 8,000 for Lowry. I think both of those are strong cash plays. And you know, putting them against each other in a cash lineup, I think, is pretty strong. They also don't like each other. They, they have real issues with each other for whatever reason. Um, and I think we'll see some big performances from those two guys. Shooting guards, Dan Green at 48. Struggles when Kawhi's out, plays well when Kawhi's back. I think he's still more of an, a tournament player. While the fun guys at 9,500, um, yeah, that, that's still a great price for Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> JJ Redick, 5,400. That's fairly solid for Cash. I think he's going to see his minutes push up in this game. So uh, I'm all right with him at 5,400. The small forwards, Dario Saric, 53. Excellent record against Toronto. Averages 36.5 DraftKings points the last three times out against Toronto. He is clearly struggling, and I wouldn't want to use it in Cash. But there is that weird upside play there for tournaments, whereas Bob Covert, 52. He's is he consistent now? I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure what this is, but he's putting up consistent numbers, and I think 5200 is a pretty good price for Robert Covington. We don't know if Baby Neck Wilson Chandler is going to play. If he is out, it gives uh, the Moose Mike Muscala and Landry Shamet a boost. Siakam's at 3900. Obviously went bananas today. 44 DraftKings points. 3,900 makes him strong, especially if the Jedi uh, remains out. If Ananobi's back, I would maybe restrict uh, Siakam to tournaments, but that price is pretty bloody sexy, and I feel okay about using him as cash regardless. Abaka at 5,100, crushed again. I think they might bring Valanchunas back to start, going up against Joel Embiid, which maybe takes two or three minutes off the top of Abaka's value, so I'd look at him more as a tournament guy. While Valanchunas at 5,400, again, could be a tournament guy. I think the percentage rosters for him will be pretty low, given what happened today, but I think we'll see some more minutes for him. Maybe he actually has a season high against Joel Embiid just to bang bodies against him, and maybe he can come in there and put up a 24-25 point performance. But he's at 5,400, so that does really limit his overall usability. The Moose at 3,300, Mike Muscala, only if they if they decide to rest Embiid, which I don't think they will, but if they do, then the Moose at 3,300 will become an excellent option. Over on DraftKings, Embiid at 10.8, I really like, and Lowry at 9. I don't like Embiid that much on, on DraftKings, by the way. Uh, Lowry at 9,000, I like quite a bit as well. Benny Simmons is up to 10,000. I think that's pretty solid for cash over on the old Fangel. And 9,800 for the fun guy is also uh, is also a pretty nice spot. Ibaka at 52, more, uh, more tournamenty, but again, I just worry that maybe he plays two or three less minutes against Embiid, and Embiid really worries him out of it. I think that's a, I think that's a legitimate concern. Let's look at the next game. Which game is it? It is the Detroit Pistons and the Boston Celtics. These two teams, their last outing was against each other. It was a 20-point victory for the Celtics. The Celtics are favored by 8.5 at home. The total is 208.5, the lowest total of the day by a considerable margin. Um, Injury-wise, as Baines is listed as probable, while Daniel Tice is dealing with a plantar fascia injury, which is going to keep him out for quite a while. I should have mentioned that earlier in the injury report. Forgot about that one. Reggie Jackson at 5,200. Struggled last time out, but I think he's a bounce-back guy. 5,200 is a really good option. While Kyrie at 7,000, he's your contrarian tournament guy. Was shit last game. It was a blowout. Maybe it's not going to be a blowout here, but I think at 7,000, he is worthy of a tournament. Look, Terry Rogier is at 45, and yeah, you could make multiple lines, one with Kyrie and one with Rogier. I wouldn't want to put those two guys together. Ish Smith at 4,400 is getting the minutes. The production's been a little bit down from Ish um, against the Celtics team with a strong defense, a low spread. I don't think we want to go back to the Ish Smith. Well, 
The shooting guards, Gordy Haywood, 5,300 off him until we get the minutes back. Reggie Bullock at 41 is offering me nothing. While Jalen Brown looked good last game, 28 points, but 28 points is still not that much. 4,900 for Jalen. I don't feel super confident in getting back on board with him. Jace Tatum's at 6,500. He's averaging just 26 over the last three. The shot has not been there. I am not interested in rostering Jason Tatum. Stan Johnson, the same thing. At the big men spots, power forwards and centers, Al Horford, 6,000. Does really struggle against Andre Drummond. Struggled last time out. I'm not really feeling it here for uh, for um, Al Horford. While Blakey Griffin at 8,200 really did shit the bed with only 18 points in 30 minutes in that last game. Again, I don't like the defensive matchup here for uh, for Griffo against uh, against the Celtics. So I'm going to leave him out at 8,200. Andre Drummond's at 8,500 and again does struggle against Al Horford. I think that Horford, Griffin, and Drummond are probably all fades in this matchup. If we look at it over on uh, over on Fangel, Irving, the similar sort of thing, a GPP upside guy, and not much else really stands out. It probably is, with blowout potential and a low total, a game that I'd like to avoid when, uh, when constructing DFS lineups at this point. The next game, the Wizards and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are favored by two, and the total is 217.5. The Wizards are absolutely imploding. They got their ass kicked by the Clippers last time out. Dylan Brooks is listed as probable for the Grizzlies. Uh, Chandler Parsons is out, while Markeith Morris copped a whack in the head. Um, he is officially listed as questionable for the Wizards. If Markeith is out, you're looking at more Kelly Oubre and more Jeff Green. My name is Jeff. At point guard, Johnny Wall, 8,400. That's a low price for Wall. I am all about John Wall uh, today against Memphis. Not a great defense. Um, he should bounce back. He's still He's struggled a bit. He's still averaging 37 over the last three. 8400 is a pretty cheap price for a guy who probably is a $9,000, uh, guy, and it's a really strong matchup for him. Shelvin Mack, no. Austin Rivers, 37, also no. While Mike Conley, 7600 Conley's been playing well. He's like a 35, 36-point guy, which is okay at 7600 There are just better options available on DraftKings. That shooting guard, Beal's at 6800 and I love that price. The production's been down, but I'm ready to get back on board both he and Wall for this game. Hopefully, their complete uh, asshole nature doesn't take over and allows them to actually perform up to expectations. The, uh, no, I was going to the Duke. That's not the Duke. Wayne Selden, 3,700, has been playing all right, getting some extra minutes. I, I don't put any faith in that whatsoever. Garrett Temple at 4,000 is limited uh, upside. The only upside guy I'd want to take out of that group of shooting guards is Marshawn Brooks, who can go bananas. That's obviously just a tournament sort of a player. At small forward, Kyle Anderson's at 4,300. Just absolutely putrid stuff from Anderson so far this season. If you're going to use him, it's just got to be GPPs. While Otto Porter, also in the putrid conversation, 5,300 for Otto. I'd be actually willing to throw Otto into a tournament, though. I think that if the shots start falling, if the threes start falling, then he could have a 40-pointer. I don't have much faith in that, um, and he probably won't be a guy that ends up in any of my lineups. Markeith Morris, for some reason, listed as a small forward, even though he's a center. He has a good record against the Grizzlies uh, with no Dwight Howard. He's at 5,600. He could be an interesting tournament guy with a questionable tag and maybe not many people roster him just based on that questionable tag. And Jeff Green's the guy that you counter that with, 4,400. If uh, if Morris is out along with, uh, along with Howard, then Green's going to be that option there. At power forward, Triple J, 5,500. I love Jaron Jackson Jr. here. I think that's a solid cash play with a decent tournament upside. And then Marcus Gasol is a center, 7,500. Love Gasol here. 40 points. Should be beckoning against Jan Mahinmi. Really solid floor. Pretty decent upside. While Mahinmi played a lot of minutes last time out and did nothing with him, he is not your answer. 
as a DFS center. On Fangio, Kyle Anderson down at 3,900. Given the lack of options on Fangio, I think you have to at least put it into your tournament pool. He could have a 26, a 28-pointer, which would bring back value. The likelihood's low, but it's a possibility. Well, Ubre at 4,500 is, is an upside guy if Morris doesn't play. I like Wall. I like Beal. I like Jackson as, as your cash-type options. Uh, Conley at 77 is not a bad cash play either. While Otto Porter at 6,000, um, I'm, I'm pretty sour on that at that, uh, at that salary. The Portland Trailblazers and the Houston Rockets. The Blazers on a back-to-back. The Rockets are favored by three and a half. The total is 225 and a half. No Harden. Can the Rockets turn it around? Mallow has been really good lately. He's going to have another opportunity to do it again here at point guard. You've got uh, Chrissy Paul at 9,300. A 50-pointer should be an expectation for Paul here. So I like him as cash. I like him for tournaments. CJ McCollum at 6,400. Really not that interested. Well, Lillard at 9,600. Shit the bed today. But a 45-pointer, I think, is a realistic expectation for Dame against Houston. And he should be looking to bounce back after a poor performance. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams, that's probably going to be a no. Shooting guard, Gerald Green, always your GPP guy. Paid off last time. He had 28 points, and there is an opportunity with James Ennis and James Harden, the two gyms, both out. So Gerald Green could be your tournament guy there. While Eric Gordon, he is getting minutes, he is getting shots, and he's doing nothing. He's at 6,100. I think his roster percentage will be well down given how badly he's played the last couple. But if those shots fall at even an average rate, he will break that 6,100 price point. So... I think he's worth looking at. Maybe not you know, feeling confident in cash, but worth it. Evan Turner at 3,900. I think that's a strong cash, solid floor type of an option. Source Castillo at minimum salary. Or not minimum, sorry, 3,500. Eh, probably not. Mellow. Love Mellow here, 5,300. Taking a bigger role with Harden out. Really, oh, that's great. He had 36 points last game. He could do something very similar again, which would obviously break value at 53, while PJ Tucker at 43. I don't see the upside. I don't see the floor. The Chief, you know what we're going to do. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Al Farouk Aminu, 4,500 for him, just a tournament guy who's rebounding the shit out of the ball. At the moment, at power forward, you've got, uh, or power forward centers, Clint Capella, 7,700. I like this spot for Capella. Um, yeah, another 41 last game. He has struggled a bit against Nurkic in the past, but I think a 40-pointer, 45-pointer is a realistic possibility. Well, Nurkic at 6,000, I have very little faith in Nurk given the way that he's uh, been up and down. But there is some upside here. He has done well against Capella in the past, 36 average over the last three, and that could switch you on to him. Well, uh, well, Zachy Collins at four thousand dollars, just killing it at the moment. I'm not sure the upside's really that high, but for cash, four thousand, yeah, he's he's pretty strong anyway. We don't know if Mo Harkless is going to play. I would put my doubts. Uh, I'd be very, I'd be heavily doubtful that Mo Harkless plays in this game after missing today's action with a knee. Capella at eighty two hundred, you know, a, a solid forty point option, I think, over on Fangio. Paul at ninety six hundred, interesting. Well, Nurkic. At seven thousand one hundred is uh, it's intriguing if it uh, if it actually comes to fruition given his um, given his uh, issues the last couple of games hopefully he can get things uh, get things rolling correctly the last game of the night we're looking at the LA Clippers and the Oklahoma City Thunder the Thunder are favored by two and a half and the total is two hundred and twenty four point five the Clippers are coming off two absolute smashings in a row I think fifty point combined margin in those last two games. Both Stephen Adams and Nerlens Noel are questionable. If they're both out, then shit. Patrick Patterson, Jeremy Grant, 
Tyler Davis, yes, it's a real person. Uh, Abdul Nadir, maybe these are the guys that have to fill in. But it's going to be Jeremy Grant and Patrick Patterson if Adams and Noel are out. If Adams is out, then, of course, Noel becomes your great option here. For the Clippers, Luke Marmute is the guy we're looking at. At uh, point guard, Russell Westbrook, 10-5 on DraftKings. I love that. That is fantastic. Well, Shea Gildas-Alexander, 4,100, getting shitloads of minutes, 27 over the last three. 24 uh, DraftKings points. I think he's strong for cash. I think he's got tournament upside as well. Pat Beverly and Lou Williams, I'm not really interested in either of those guys here. Well, Dennis Schroeder at 5,900 is priced too high. The shooting guards, Avery Bradley played well last time, 26 points. He's at 3,900. I'm not buying into that. Well, MC Hamadou Diallo was suspended last game. He's at 3,400. Probably not that interesting uh, to look at. At small forward, Toby Harris, 7,800. Bang, lock it in. Solid floor, great cash option. Jeremy Grant at 42. Love the upside for Grandy here. If one of these centers is out, is out, he boosts. If two of them are out, he goes through the roof. But he did play 37 minutes last game with Adams out and had 23 points. So not a great value, but I still think you want to look at him there. Paulie George at 8,700 is a very, very strong cash play as well. The Rooster at 67. Uh, Dylan Gallinari, I think it's all right. He's got a good record against OKC. 40-point average the last three times out. Probably more tournaments than anything else. The big men, Steve Adams at 6,900. I think I'll ease off that because I just don't know his status. Nerlens Noel is the guy we want to take a look at. 4,300. He had 53 points last time, of course. If Adams is out, Noel smashes that. If Adams is in, then it becomes a bit of a waste, but that's why he's an interesting tournament guy. While Paddy Patterson at 36 is your GPP guy on the assumption that both of those guys are out. Marching Gortat, that's a no from me. The table, Montrez Harrell, 55. Struggled last time. It was Boban Marjanovic who was the big winner of the centers. He's at 3,600. Now, I'm not normally a one to recommend Boban, but I think at 3,600, if Adams is playing, I think you look at Boban at 3,600. That would be a strong option. If Adams is out, then I think that you really will struggle and Boban will struggle and he probably won't play very much. And then that brings in the table, Montrez Harrell as an option. So uh, it's going to be tough to to roster those guys if we don't know Adams' status, but I think Adams' status really does influence how Boban and how Harrell plays in this game for the Clippers. Over on DraftKings, Harris and George, i.e. two real strong cash options. I love Shea at 4,600 as well. Let's wrap this up. Let's go through some studs and values on the sites. DraftKings, I love Johnny Wall at 8,400. That's a, it's a, it's a good price value option there. Well, Batum at 5,200, I think he's a strong value play. Fangel, Capella at 8,200. Overpriced guys everywhere on Fangel, but Capella should be able to get you 40. While Kyle Anderson at 3,900, my one last dice roll on him. Yahoo, Chris Paul, 3,800, no Harden. That should be self-explanatory as a stud. While Colin Sexton at $11, I think that's hard to go past on Yahoo. Moneyball, Capella at 84, really rough pricing on Moneyball. While Budrick Heald at 6,900 is a a strong option. On Draft Stars, I'm looking at Johnny Wall at 16.5 as my start. And my value is Budrick at 8,640, probably the play of the day for the Aussies. He's getting Heald in there at 8,650. The best bet suffered a bit of a setback today. We had a loss, but let's see if we can do it again. The Wizards plus two tomorrow against the Grizzlies. That's my bet of the day. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Babel and the new and improved Locked On NBA Twitter account, Locked On NBA Net. 
information across all 30 teams from all of our hosts. You'll get all the breaking news, all the big stories, all the local observations that only local people can give you will be on that Twitter account. So go and follow us over there. Subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Smash the thumb. Give it a thumbs up. Don't smash the down one. Smash the up one. Subscribe. Hit the bell for notifications. It's around here somewhere popping up on the screen. You'll see it in a second. Go and hit that subscribe button. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Greg Popovich.